0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another season of Data-Driven Health Radio. I'm your host, Dave Korsunsky. On this show, we speak to the experts and break down the technology and the data that is allowing us to measure, optimize, and understand our health in ways that have never been possible before. This show is for the health hackers, the data nerds, the athletes, the execs, the high performers, and anyone looking to take their health and their game to the next level. Be sure to check out our website and our health analytics app at HeadsUpHealth.com and feel free to shoot us an email, support at HeadsUpHealth.com with any comments, questions or feedback on this show or our app. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and let's get into our next episode. Data Driven Health Radio, everybody. Today is going to be a great show. We're going to go deep on a lot of the latest and greatest health hacking technologies with a subject matter expert, Alex Fergus, a total badass out there. He's got a really, really incredible website, really, really pushing the envelope on the latest technology in health optimization. Alex, thank you for being on the show, and I'm really excited to chat with you today.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. It's, it's, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good good chat.
0: So you're in New Zealand. I'm in Phoenix. Let's hope that the uh, pipes uh, connecting the interwebs between the ocean floors are going to hold out. We don't have any bandwidth issues. So um, we'll see how that goes. But uh, tell us a bit about how you got into this whole mess.
1: Yeah, What's the yeah. story? <laughs> well, I got into this mess because I was personally in a pretty bad state. I was in my own mess. Um, I've always been pretty passionate about how oh, fitness performance uh-huh. that was, that was the, uh, when I was a teenager, that was always the the driver, uh, playing of sports. an athlete growing up? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So, um, played rugby, being a New Zealander. I think every male plays rugby. Hockey um, for me
0: growing up in Canada.
1: Right. Yeah. You know? And then, um. I got into rowing, you know, on the water rowing and stuff, and and that was something that I excelled at and really enjoyed. And yeah, I guess um, I just always wanted—I was very competitive, and I just wanted to be the best, right? So you, you train hard and push yourself. And um, fast forward, I don't know, five, six years, and you know, I had some good results or great results, and then my health started to suffer, and I couldn't quite understand why because I was uh was doing everything right in terms of and I'm using air quotes here, I was doing everything right, you know, in terms of eating well and and, and doing all that stuff. And and soon I ended up burnt out, like extremely burnt out. I was in my young early twenties and I had achieved good things and had a great physique and all that jazz. And um yeah, I felt horrible and, and terrible and that kinda led me and doctors didn't really want to help you know that it was always like oh you got a virus or oh, your testosterone's really low here take some testosterone pills and stuff and i'm like i'm 23 you know like 22 23 like this isn't right i shouldn't be now, taking hormones right like especially because you know i was i was doing everything right um you know eating well wasn't drinking didn't smoke you know so i was like this doesn't make yeah, sense. that
0: was your problem you weren't smoking enough cigarettes and you were totally, not yeah, in retrospect yeah.
1: clearly that yeah. was the problem I know, probably. I uh, yeah. <laughs> probably too caught up on some of this stuff. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, Anyhow, keep going.
1: Yeah. So that, um. so I got to the point where I was, honestly, I remember one day I went in and saw this doctor. I started doing a bit of research, right? And, you know, I was like, oh, testosterone's low. It could be linked to vitamin D and all this stuff. So I went into the doctor once. I was like, all right, I want to test all these markers, like vitamin D and, you know. I oh, see. Here, and, here's, where, here's where the moment happened where you, yeah, got, right.
0: it, where you got hooked
1: yeah and again i didn't I don't know, and I still you know ten years later I still don't really know, but I just had an inkling that whatever I was doing was wrong, so I was like I got to change it up so I went yeah. to the doctor and asked for all these tests you know as a, as if I'm an expert, and she just sort of looked at me and was like you know that's my job you don't have to worry about prescribing tests, and you don't need to understand how all these the interplay between all these hormones and and she kind of just dismissed me. And, this and, was in um, New Zealand, Alex. Sorry, to this interrupt. was actually in Australia. I was living in Australia at the time. Gotcha. Um, I'd stopped rowing, and I was actually in. Uh, I got into powerlifting and, and did some natural bodybuilding, and I was always always natural. Like with all rowing, you know, being an Olympic sport, you always get drug tested, and then powerlifting also had some very strict tests. You know, random testing and stuff. So I'd, I was always clean, you know, and that was something I'd always proud myself on, you know, I've always been uh, played by the rules and stuff and getting into bodybuilding. I went down the natural bodybuilding path for those reasons, despite, you know, that being a a murky sport, but Mm -hmm. she turned around and kind of, she didn't say it outright, but she kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, it was all the supplements I was taking, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And that was why I was in this state. And I was like, I was so annoyed because I was like, you know what, like, I know, you know, I'm doing everything right. I'm trying to be as healthy and... and, and Doing formed. it by the book. Exactly. And then for someone, and I'm struggling, like I was really struggling, you know, no libido no energy and stuff. And um, in my early 20s, I'm like, this is wrong. And then for her to say that, and then I looked at her and she was she was like obese, you know, overweight, looked absolutely exhausted, you know, like thin hair and everything. Nothing with thin hair though. But, you know, for, for a female and stuff, I was like, why am I listening to you? You know, and if you're just going to judge, I didn't say this to her, but I was just thinking, why am I listening to you? If you're going to think that I'm taking steroids or whatever, and that's why I'm in this state then screw you. So, um, I never went back to those doctors and yeah, I was like, you know what? I'm going to find a doctor who will do this test for me. And and I spent a lot of money. Like I was in my early twenties and, you know, to get some of these tests done and to work with functional doctors Mm -hmm. and stuff, you know, it costed me a lot of money, but I was like, I need to, I need to figure this out. So, that's the start of the journey and uh yeah
0: so how old are you now like how long has it been since you first started looking for functional health solutions how much time
1: has passed so i'm 32 now uh yeah yeah, 32 so it's been eight nine years and i've learned a lot and i guess that's why you know we're having this conversation now because i have learned a lot and i've shared a lot with my blog and my readers and you know online and and you know, you, you learn a lot, you put a lot of the content out there and, and you keep learning. And with that passion that I have for, for health and wellness, yeah, it's, it's been a pretty crazy journey. And I don't want to say like that journey ended because, you know, there's still a few little things here and then I'm working on, but man, I've definitely, uh, definitely come a long way. That's for sure.
0: So as you started running some of these tests, and you find you know I presume you found a doctor that was cooperative, a functional doctor or, or whomever. Here, here, I had a similar story and, and you can mostly order your own labs here now. Thank thank goodness. That's not yep. the case in other countries. I mean, I have a lot of friends and family in Canada. And even if you want the tests, they're not even available. A lot of the specialized ones are, are not even available, even if you did find the doctor. And I've, I've interviewed biohackers that like would fly to the US just to get, yep. get their labs done. Uh, cause yep. you can get everything you want, you can pay cash and yep. you can, you can just get it done. So that is that a challenge you ran into was just being yeah, able to I, get what you wanted?
1: Yeah. I mean, New Zealand and Australia have pretty good health systems. It's very different to America. Um, you know, where it's a lot of it's provided and the fees are quite low, but you're in that space, right? You're in yeah. their game, in their world. So yeah. if you want to go outside that space, then you have to front up the cash. And yeah. I could do the tests and um, they were quite expensive. Like we're talking $200 just to test your iron levels or vitamin D, right? So if you wanted to do a bunch of tests and then you want to follow up, you know, it might be a safe a grant, right? Yeah. And then you follow up with it six months later is another thousand bucks. And, you know, for me at the time, I mean, I was just working at a gym, like on a front desk at a gym. Like I wasn't, um, I wasn't earning the big money, but I knew I had to make some changes, but you're right. Like I think, and I've written about this on my blog that it's not, I I know a lot of doctors, I know there's a lot of controversy around getting tests done and then like going to Dr. Google and and trying to diagnose what you have and making all these adjustments. And I totally get the risks in that. And that's something that I'm always...
0: I, I swore to myself, I will never ask Dr. Google. I'll I'll, I'll always get on the phone with a health expert because that is the fastest path to anxiety.
1: Yeah. you're Right. And I totally get it. Like there are so many downsides with if if anyone could just go out and get tests, you know, there's so many issues with that. I totally get that. But then at the same time, like getting that feedback, like it's quite empowering. And um, again, I've written about this on my blog. Like I always use the analogy of, of learning to drive, right? it's so important to get that feedback and so if you're learning to drive first time in a car and you're on your own you've got no speedometer you've got no engine noise you've got no feedback at all you've got no road signs you know you're out on the highway you know and you're in a manual so then all of a sudden like you're jamming the the clutch and you know grinding gears and then you come up to a corner and you've never taken this corner in your life and you take it way too fast because you don't see the sign saying, you know, slow down and you don't hear the engine revving because you've got your, your muscle on and, you know, you have absolutely no feedback. You're going to make a lot of mistakes, right? I mean, you could kill yourself, oh, sure. you know, yeah. it could be really, really bad. Yep. Eventually though, you'll, you'll learn. And a lot of people do learn this way, especially with driving. You know, here I live in the farming area of New Zealand. You know, little kids are out in the paddock driving their cars and tractors and what, and you do learn just by experience. But... You compare that to learning with feedback. So then use that same situation where you're in a car, you've got a dash that's showing your speed, showing your revs, you've got the engine noises, you've got um, road signs, road markings, you know, signs saying take this corner at 50 miles or whatever it is. And then you also have a driving instructor beside you telling you, okay, you should change down now or you might want to slow down here or, you know, just giving you feedback that you need to learn, right? And you're going to learn a lot faster and you're going to become a better driver with all that feedback. And it's the same with health. You could spend 20, 30... You could spend your whole life any feedback about your hormonal markers, your vitamin, mineral counts, etc. And just blind, blind effectively. And sure, you, you, you might do fine. I mean, you might never have health issues in, in your life. But chances are you probably will. And then if you do have some health issues... It's very hard to figure out what's going wrong without that feedback, right? Yeah. Like, oh, my guts a bit off. Maybe it was that you know Chinese I had the other night. No, it could be the fact that you got some I don't know gut to spice. Like, there's so many things, right? And so, getting those lab tests results are that feedback, and and allows you to think, all right, well, just to, to show you, all right, well, this isn't the problem, but over here is a big problem. Like, my vitamin D is rock bottom, and that could be why my testosterone. Is. You know, it just it just helps you figure things out. I guess so. That's my view on testing. I I think, yeah. I mean, I'd love to see it easily accessible, and it definitely has changed a lot in the last seven or eight years. I mean, it's so much easier to get testing, but it's it's a tricky one because you, then you don't want to give someone who's just picked up a health magazine and doesn't know anything about health or hormones or whatever, and then tell them all this information, and then they go out and fix themselves because they could do a lot of damage. So, um, but yeah. I I, I, hope that, I don't know exactly what the question was, but
0: I, <laughs> I, well, hope that, uh, I think we were talking about the importance of being able to run your own lab tests. Yeah, and yeah. that was kind of the aha moment for me when I actually called all my old doctors on the phone. This was, I don't know, eight years ago. And I asked them all, I'd lived in a few cities. I asked them to mail me copies of my lab reports. Mm-hmm. So I had a, a stack of papers, basically. And that had all my blood work from you know, different doctors. And I remember I was up in Lake Tahoe. It was it was raining, so we couldn't snowboard because it was basically slush out there on a Sunday. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, what am I gonna do on a Sunday? I took all the PDFs and I made an Excel spreadsheet. And I went through and took all the blood tests and I put each of them in a row. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so why do I have to do this? And yeah. our, uh, the system can't do that for me. And I was like you, I was just kind of a knucklehead. I didn't really have any medical training, but I knew enough to say that I needed some, some data to, to start looking deeper. And I remember as soon as I put all those tests like into their own row in the spreadsheet, I started seeing things that had been missed in my own health diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So just by me, a layperson doing that, I could see certain markers that had been trending down for years. And no one in the world would ever be able to notice that. And that's when I realized, oh my gosh, this data is perhaps even more powerful than my doctor because they can only see a snippet of this information. They have no idea which, which way the numbers have been trending for one, three, five, ten 10 years. So that's how I got hooked on all of this stuff. And then I think where it gets really exciting, and I know this is a big focus of your work, Okay, I've got this clinical data over here, which is kind of showing me the end state of all of my, my my choices on a day-to-day basis. But we also have this technology now that is allowing us to measure our our lifestyle. And there's some really, really incredible metrics that are starting to become mainstream. Like, for example, the more people that understand their heart rate variability and how that actually can be managed and monitored... That is like a golden metric that I think is just now starting to make its way something that was traditionally used for elite athletes, for example, mm-hmm. who would really closely look at HRV and seven-day rolling averages and, and coefficient of variation numbers and stuff like that. So now the everyday person has, has incredible access to biometric data on lifestyle And then you cross-reference it with your labs and hopefully you have a good functional doctor. And now you're in the driver's seat, in my opinion, if we can create, close that feedback loop, basically. So I guess I, I, I changed the question up now. So if we step away from talking about lab testing, what are some of the main biomarkers that you monitor on, on a day-to-day basis for Alex personally? I know you write about a lot of technology and there's amazing edu- educational content at alexvergus.com. Uh, what are what are you personally looking at on a, on a day-to-day basis?
1: Yeah, um, that's a good question. So it's funny, like every year it kind of changes. And then at the same I, time... I would agree
0: with that. I'm in the same boat.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> but then at the same time, I, I've noticed now I'm actually measuring less and almost caring about less. But I'm always a little bit nervous to say this because... I, you know, I know a lot of people following my work and, and listening to this. Maybe they were me nine years ago, or maybe, you know, they're, they're already two, three years into fixing their health, but they have still got you know the five, six, seven years to go type thing to get to the the end goal. So, mm-hmm. I personally like, I feel like I'm in a pretty good state health wise, right? And and my environment, my diet, like sleep, everything is so far advanced compared to where it was five, six years ago So awesome. the point where like. I no longer need as much as much feedback as I used to because I know things are so so good. So that's my little disclaimer that I'm just going to throw out there. Well, <laughs> you've
0: learned a lot about your body, and oh. and I look back to how it, how blind I was before I started measuring. And mm-hmm. I think the hope with with my software and with your blog is is hopefully you never need any of this stuff. If if that's you it. enjoy it intellectually, which I do, yep. that's yep. one. But yep. the end state is where you're like, okay, I know my body well enough now. I've measured and tested long enough. And the things that you monitor get smaller. Yeah. You know, the number that, of things you're measuring.
1: That's bang on. And that's um, not to go too far away, I'll come back and answer your question, but going back to that driving, learning to drive like analogy I used before, you know, now I'm 30. I don't sit sort of, I don't go for a drive with a driving instructor. I don't have someone tell me what to do, but I could every few years, you know, just get a trainer to help me if if I wanted to but I I don't like I feel like I've got enough experience and expertise in that field I I can drive safely you know I've never had a speeding ticket or an accident touch wood Um, you know so I feel like I'm a pretty good driver but then you mentioned on like personal personal interest and hobby if if all of a sudden I got into say you know Racing cars or go karting or rally car racing, then I would need to take that skill a little bit higher. So I would tap into that feedback source again. I would get more coaching and training, and that's the same. I guess that's what a lot of us biohackers are. We often, many of us start out with those health problems, so we need that feedback and data to help us fix the problems. And then it gets a little bit addictive. And then the way the world's going with technology and tools like yours, you know, you can get more and more data, and you can see more and more patterns. And then we're like, all right. I've gone from horrible to good. Now I want to go from good to amazing. Like they want to go from the taxi car driver skill set to Formula One, you know, driver skill set, and that's that's totally cool. I, I get that, and I've got caught up in that. My own interests aren't as strong as they used to be in that field now, just because I'm a father. I've got a farm. You know, there's lots of other mm-hmm. things going on. But anyway, um, in terms of what I am tracking on a regular basis, so I, I still use my aura ring uh, I'm sure you've covered that, and I know your software is, um, you know, it has some integration with Oring. So I still use that, and I love that just because it's quite a powerful unit, but it's also very simple at the same time. Like it will just spit out some some overall numbers, and um, you can see your trends, you can see your patterns. You know, like you're mentioning, it's it's not just that snapshot you want to look at; it's the trends over time, and that's that's where you get the real power from. Because yeah, I might have had a bad sleep, or oh, my HIV might be a little bit lower today. But then, and you might get caught up on that. But then if you look at the trends, it's like, oh, that's just a little dip on a, on a long-term upward trend. So yeah, the o-rings are uh, something that I still use and that's tracking things like heart rate variability, sleep, um, body temperature movement. I don't really get caught up in the movement. Me, no, me neither.
0: I just it at night.
1: Yeah, yeah. And even, um, yeah, I know some people were tracking steps and all, I'm like, oh, seriously, like, if you're living a reasonably active lifestyle and doing everything else right, like it shouldn't really matter. So for me, I mean, that's that's pretty much all I use um, just because it does everything. And then other than that, I mean, it's just, I feel like I'm quite now in tune with how, how my body is functioning and working and, and it's taken a long time to get to this state. And the big reason why I am in this state is because of devices like the Oura Ring and, and the HRV straps that I used to use before there were wearables like the Oura. Um, And years and years upon years of waking up and thinking, "All right, I feel like this," and the data showing this, you know, you start marrying that data and you start learning. Okay, well, this self-calibrating, exactly right. And um, you know, and I know, for instance, how alcohol has a big impact on you know how I feel and stuff the next day, and in particular, certain types of alcohol. And like I've always known, alcohol, you know, it's not the best thing for your health and how you feel. But then when I started tracking my heart rate variability, and I noticed like even one glass of certain wine just messed up my HIV the next day. But I still felt fine. Like I woke up, I was like, oh, I only had one glass of dinner. I feel fine. But then I'd see the HIV scores were like drop off big time. I'm like, wow, that's actually doing more than, than I thought. You know, so you start learning so many things like that. And um, but well, over time, you hit like, on a really
0: good point there, Alex. I'll just interrupt you for a moment. I want to unpack that one a little bit because a lot of people may say, wow, I had a couple of drinks. I fell asleep right away. Mm. had a had a great sleep. Don't remember getting up to even go to the bathroom. Yeah, right. But but you didn't you didn't your body didn't recover well actually. And um I know a lot of people who have reported that they have used um cannabis, medicinal cannabis to sleep better. Mm. And when they look at the actual data, it, it actually the 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 recovery is actually much worse. So mm. there's a disconnect between what you think is happening to your body and what what the data is telling you that is happening to your body. And so those were some really interesting insights, like, oh man, I fell asleep instantly. It must have been a great sleep, but actually it wasn't. And does one bad night become an issue? No. But if I start seeing two, three, four, five bad nights, that's mm-hmm. when I know I need to dial it back. So I, I just wanted to um unpack that one a little bit because a lot of people may think that their body is recovering, but Mm. the data will tell you otherwise alcohol being a a perfect example of that. So are you not going to drink anymore? No, but you'll just, you'll know when you need to actually tighten it up a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Indulge and then, and then tighten it up. But yeah, the, the numbers, you know, I've even had incidents where, where the data knows, you better than yourself. Like I'm sure you've seen those moments where it's like your body temperature was elevated last night. You might be getting sick. Yeah. And then 24 hours later, you're sick, and you're like, "What <laughs> <"Duh.">
1: <laughs>
0: So it's, it's getting really sophisticated, and um, I don't know. It's uh, I love that part of it. I nerd out on that stuff. So anyhow, the point I was trying to make is that sometimes the data knows better than than you you think you do. Yeah. So, uh, Aura being one, and then obviously, it's, are you still doing uh, periodic blood work?
1: I am, but not as frequently and not as many tests. Um, so, for instance, I'm always tra- tracking iron. My family have the hemochromatosis.
0: I think genetic- I have it too, actually. My ferritin is right. off the charts. I just got yeah. the requisition to get tested for the, um, the genetic condition.
1: Right. Yeah. So that's something I'm always just keeping an eye on because that's an easy one and, and it's an easy fix, but it has big consequences if you let it get out of control. I've st- stopped tracking vitamin D, for instance, because um, I've, my numbers have always been good, but I know you've got to put the effort in to get the sun, right? It's very easy, especially now I'm in New Zealand compared to the Australian climate. But even now I've been in New Zealand for two or three years, my numbers are still good. So I'm like, well, there's no point. I'm sure I might check it if the doctor's going to do it. Or uh, in New Zealand, it costs. You actually have to pay a bit. The doctors don't like doing vitamin D unless there's a big issue. Whereas in Australia, they were happy to do it. So, you know, I've sort of shifted based on my environment. You know, obviously the environment I'm living in, but then also the cost. Like I, if, I don't, if it's going to cost me $150 to do a test that I don't really care about anymore, I'm not going to do it. But yeah, so iron, uh, I still like to keep an eye on my hormones, like my hormone markers, you know, testosterone. Obviously, uh, being a male, you know, it's something that I like to keep an eye on. Blood pressure and stuff, you know, those are things whenever you go into your doctors, they'll do it anyway. So I'll keep an eye on that and just log it just because it's, again, an easy one. Things like cholesterol and stuff, I don't buy into uh, for various reasons, but I know um, that seems to be a standard test. So Again, if I'm and the doctors are not gonna do it, sure, why not? Do the yep. do the whole test, not just total cholesterol cholesterol. One thing I do like mm-hmm. doing is um thyroid thyroid markers, uh, you know, you C three, T four. You know, I'm big, big fan of or big believer that the thyroid is um you know, your yeah, healthy thyroid is crucial for, you know, good well being and stuff. And actually on that note, if you can't do I've written about this as well, if you can't do um thyroid testing, you know, like it's too expensive or you don't wanna go to the doctor every few months, testing your temperature every morning. And that was something I used to do religiously. Every morning I'd get up, take my temperature, just plot it mm-hmm. on a graph. This was a uh, pen and paper. Oh, actually, no, it wasn't pen and paper. I think I used notepad on my phone or something. This is before mm-hmm. I, you guys were around. But favorite um, body I mean,
0: temperature, simple yeah, metric, just get a simple, good thermometer. Right? I yeah. uh, interviewed this woman on a podcast uh, and she's a woman, w- works with women on hormones. And she recommended. The, there's a bunch of them out there. She recommended the Jera Therm. That's right. Yeah. And uh, you just take take your body temperature while you're in bed before yeah. you get out of bed in the morning. You just yeah. put it under your tongue, yeah. and you, you that's called your basal body temperature, which is before you've really started yeah. doing any any metabolic activity. And so mm-hmm. before you get out of bed, and that's the uh, it's the poor man's thyroid panel, I guess, but it'll give yeah. you some good information.
1: Totally. And the thing is with it, I mean, yeah, sure. It, it, it's seen as the poor man's panel, but in a way it's, it's actually more powerful because you can do it every single day. Yeah. Whereas those thyroid panels, you might only be doing it once every six months. Or so, you know, sure. If you could do a thyroid panel every single day or every few days or something, that would be amazing. And you'd see, you'd learn so much about your body, but I'm sure even the wealthy aren't going to do that. Um, Whereas temperature, I mean, you see so much, and and not only every morning, it's quite powerful. So you can do it before and after meals to see how the body reacts to meals because it should react to, uh, in a particular way. Like when you eat food, your temperature should go up. Some people their temperature actually drop when they yeah. eat because effectively they're running off adrenaline. You know, they're in a very high stress state, and that food comes in and, and sort of lowers the stress because they're like finally some nourishment. And the temperature drops and, you know, things like that. Like you can do a lot with either that exact thermometer, the, the gerotherm. <laughs> yeah, I just um, interviewed this woman today and she uh, she, oh, mentioned really? the,
0: she mentioned the gerotherm and basal body temperature and she yep. was talking about why you probably aren't losing weight. And yep. the, you've probably seen this, but you, you go into the forums out there and and tell people you're stuck. And, and, and the last thing anybody recommends is have you checked your hormones and your thyroid. It's yeah, like, Well, it. change your macros. Um, uh, right, do right, some right. more work. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the, <laughs> get, it, getting a thermometer and doing some basic basal yeah. body temperature testing will give you a lot of good insights.
1: So and that's a good. The one. On that note, like just to tie up that <clears throat> um, finish it up there. So again, that data over time it, it allows you. You can start doing experiments. You can if you do get caught up in macros and all that stuff, you can say, "All right, I'm going to try bumping my." Carbohydrate macro up to you know doubling it from twenty percent to forty percent, and then just see what happens to your temperature. Yeah. Because if all of a sudden that basil's is going up and your numbers around your meals are all going up, then you know that that's saying something. Something's changing, and it's why I I, I, I mean, people that have worked with me in the past. I don't work with that many clients anymore, but there was one requirement that everyone had to get a thermometer and they had to log their numbers every single day. And um, now with devices like the ring and all that, you know they're tracking to temperature. They're not. It's not giving you actual numbers. It's just showing you trends, which is still powerful. And it's why um, I still recommend, you know, go like spend 20 bucks on a the thermometer. Just, yeah, you know, it's super easy uh, and it's very, very powerful. Well, those are some great
0: metrics. I think iron ferritin, the basic hormones, uh, the thyroid metrics, some basal body temperature metrics, and ring. If you're working on some metabolic health issues and the weight's not coming off, you, m- you might want to start looking at blood sugar on a daily basis. So, I think you hit all the basics there, Alex. A couple other areas that I'd like to explore with you in, in the time we have left here is um, talking a little bit more about the work you did with clients and mm-hmm. and what was some of the protocols you'd use, for example. And then I'd love to just talk about your lifestyle today. You mentioned your father. You mentioned you're on a farm. You're, you're probably away from a lot of the inundation of Wi-Fi signals and um, the, the craziness of cosmopolitan cities, and so I'd, I'd like to know how that has had an influence on your health. So, yeah, a little bit about the work you do with clients, and then just your thoughts on yep. where you live, how you live, being close to nature, you know, spirituality, all of the things that uh, we can't necessarily put a device on the body and measure. I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts in, in, in closing on some of those unmeasurable aspects of of health and happiness and life and. Um, yeah.
1: So working with clients. So what I used to do is I used to be a personal trainer, um, I used to work in a gym, and then that led to being you know more coaching and training. And then when I went through that uh, awakening process uh, of learning about health, I shifted. My own interest shifted more from performance to health, and then with that, my business changed as well. My coaching changed, so I started working one-on-one with clients up in Sydney, and um, I developed like a protocol that took into consideration all these things I learned. But it it was always about focusing on the fundamentals, the underlying, um, underlying components of health so I was uh, you know I was never a fan of calories I was never a fan of like tracking steps or anything like that instead it was all about in fact we started with the gut like it was all it was, it was various layers it was quite a complex protocol and it changed a lot over the years but it was always about fixing the gut resetting baseline hormonal markers like using environments and diet and everything so Initially, would pull out a lot of rubbish from the diet. And, and then a lot of people, when they start these programs and that, they're super keen, right? That's, that's when you can go you know, gung-ho with them and do the really strict regimented diet because they're ready. They're prepared for that. It's not going to last. No strict diet's going to last. And I'm not a fan of being strict diets. But there is a time and place for it. So people would come in and would remove like a lot of junk from their diet and just try and get their gut. Working so we'd actually take a lot of digestive enzymes and you know probiotics and whatnot, but we'd also be bringing in things like bone broth and colostrum and um uh doing well cooked meals, you know, removing raw veggies and stuff. And so, so the diet would shift to help the gut, but then we'd also start doing things like regular meal timing, so we'd have a breakfast, we'd have a lunch. And then we'd have a dinner, but then we'd try, we'd aim to avoid meals within two, three hours of going to bed, for instance. So the clients didn't really understand all this, how, why it was done this way until later on, because there was a big education piece. Well, there is a big edu- education piece. So they learn just what I learned over the years. It's all compressed into like a six month course. And when, when they get to month three, month four, they look back and they're like, oh, I understand now why you had me trying to have this established meal times and trying to have established you know, bedtimes and why you wanted me to go outside for a walk every morning and, you know, all these things to do with circadian rhythm and, yeah, circadian rhythm and meal times, eating times, uh, temperature regulation, you know, I, I told them no training late at night and stuff Do it in the day, all these little things. And it's all, it's all done to try and reset the body to have that natural rhythm and natural cycle, you know, and and then you're tapping into the benefits of melatonin at nighttime, which is quite powerful, you know, your temperature, thyroid, cortisol, you're getting that all that evened out. So it was quite a complex process. But to sum it up, it was focused on the gut. It was regular meal timing, trying to have a stable bedtime and, and trying to get, you know, at least just six, seven, eight hours, because some of these people I was working with were getting four, five hours a night. Uh, we actually cut back on training. So most people come to me Came to me for this program, they wanted to lose weight. And they were like, all right, I'm, I've, I've went out and bought my new Nike shoes and signed up to the gym. And I'm like, yeah, forget about it. You're not going to train for about six weeks. We literally <laughs> had six weeks, no training. Yeah, And yet, that was one of the hardest things for people to get their head around and include myself. Like when I had to fix my own health problems, you know, I, I was told I need to cut back on training. So I was like, all right, instead of doing eight sessions a week, I'll do four, you know, like, and they're like, no, you've got to go to zero. I'm like, not happening, you know, this is my life, you know, training. But I eventually I did I cut it right out. It was one of the best things that I that I did. And and so things like that. It's it's less is more. It's removing rather than adding. And I think so many people want to lose weight or improve their health, and they think we've got to add. You know, we've got to add supplements. We've got to add this special smoothie. We've got to add this fancy new workout routine. We've got to add this like device, right? But I'm like,
0: my- or just add add intensity or or add add frequency of of exercise, and yeah. um, that can backfire if uh totally. if you're not careful
1: but yeah and i don't know what it is and and i'm not uh judging people yet because i was exactly the same that's what you think of when you need to fix something you, you just think of adding things right and um, I, I love to train <laughs> and yeah, like right. something, i just love to
0: push my body physically mentally it just feels amazing for me but but there's yep. been times where i probably should have taken a huge huge step backwards and yeah. dial back the intensity. And and I think you calibrate that with each person. I'm, I'm sure yeah. you can see who's ready to be pushed a lot harder than somebody else based on, for example, the basal body temperature could tell you, or right. the HRV is going to tell you who's ready to be pushed and who's not.
1: Yeah. I mean, on that note, I actually found over the years working with a lot of people, the the body, the, the client, but their body would tell tell them when they wanted to move. So Initially, I found people were very resistant to stopping training, like to stop all activity because they're like, oh my God, I'm just going to get massive. I'm going to put on all this weight. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like, no, just trust the process. And once they get through that, you know, two weeks in, they're like, all right, yeah, I get it. I can go for a walk. I can do yoga, whatever, but no, no, like hour long sprint session. So you're
0: allowed yoga and walking. Yoga, I mean,
1: yoga is awesome. It, so yeah. That would be
0: enough of a fix
1: for me if I could do that. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. I said, just do anything that you're not going to break out in a sweat. And so like, don't go go do the hot yoga for like two hour marathon sessions, which is just as stressful on the body as a workout Mm -hmm. anyway. And I was just like, look, go for walks, you know, play golf, whatever you want to do, but nothing intense, just for at least for a month or two. And there's a lot of resistance to that, but eventually people get through it. And then at the same time, their diet's changing so much, you know, they're bringing in some supplements and getting rid of some other like medications or whatever, their uh, sleep and all that's changing, you know, I'm getting them outside in the morning for the blue light exposure, getting them outside during the day to reset, you know, their skin rhythm and then nighttime, we're changing all their light bulbs and, you know, we're doing that whole process as well. There's lots of moving parts, right? It's not just diet and training. Um... And then so a couple of weeks in, then all of a sudden they're like, wow, this is actually good. Like I'm I'm enjoying not going to the gym. I'm enjoying that extra hour of sleeping. And then they're feeling better as a result of all the changes they're making. And then typically, if someone's really exhausted or is in a really bad state, typically they get to about week three, week four, and then they hit a wall. And it's like, it's like, I actually feel worse and tired, like more tired now than I was before I started. What's going on? And pretty much the body was finally like, all right. We're not running off this. I, I always tell my clients, you know, you've been running, you've been driving your car using like the afterburner, like the, the supercharger all your life, you know, just go, go, go. And then it'll burn out. I said, finally, that's been switched off and you're switching back just to your usual diesel. Um,
0: well, that 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 actually, I've seen that in people very close to me who have been mm-hmm. in, in high stress states for so long that once you finally give the body a rest, sometimes it just finally breaks down. And yeah. exactly like you said, it's like you've been running on, on who knows what, sheer will and adrenaline for so long yeah. that when you finally remove those stressors, that's when you realize there's issues there. And it, totally. it, in some cases, it, it can be very serious where even autoimmune conditions or yeah. cancer, things like that, when, when the body finally has a chance to breathe, you have to be careful there. So I think that's not going to happen to any everybody. Some people, maybe they just hit the wall, but that's a really important point you bring up is when you body finally is like, okay, it's been four weeks. He's I'm really actually having the chance to let go here a little bit. Yeah. Shit comes up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. And that's why, I mean, I always recommend working with a functional doctor throughout my process, my course as well, because you get those blood tests done and you've got the medical expert there in case, you know, a situation does arise or, you know, if a market comes back, that's like, wow, this is really bad. We've got to address that because some people haven't even done these tests, you know, in years. So, but the funny thing is like these clients that I literally spend hours on the phone telling them, just trust the process, give up the gym for like a month, you know, and then it gets to that three, four week period and they're like, I don't want to go to the gym. Like I am so exhausted. The thought of exercising right now, like not, oh not doing man, it. Cause also I'm cutting, so out, like, the, you know, I'm cutting out all the stimulants, like the caffeine and, you know, some people even using drugs and stuff, like recreational drugs. It's like we're cutting all that out. So this is a big, like, you know, it's, it's a big swing, isn't it? From this like ultra, like stimulated stress, high stress world. You know where they're getting up at five AM to do, go to their spin class with like loud music and rah rah, and someone screaming down. Them. You know that every morning they're waking up. So effectively, the body thinks they're being chased by a tiger type thing. So, oh, no, we're getting rid of all that. We're sleeping in now. We're eating better food. We're getting rid of all these toxins. We're getting rid of the caffeine. It swings, and then yeah, they get to this point where they're like, yeah, they're like, I don't want to go for a gym like ever again. And it's, I, like, right. hey, we'll just see, we'll just see. And then what I found, and this is this is just. You know, I worked with a lot of people, right? This is just averaging it all out. Everyone's Generalizations, like, yeah, diff, yeah, yeah. So, and then what would happen around week six? And this is why week six—that's when we actually started reintroducing some activity. People would say, I remember a call once. This lady who who told me a couple of weeks prior, I'm never going to a gym again. She was like, week six, she was like, I was out with my dog and I was throwing the ball to him, and then she said, I just noticed, like, I was running around with the dog, like, you know, it was just, it just happened. Just, I couldn't believe it. She was like, and she felt bad. She called me because she was like. I'm not meant to be doing activity, you know, just like, oh, it's just like, I feel good. Like I wanted to move. And I was like, well, that's, that's it. That's what we want. Like the yeah. body is now at that point where it's, it's like, healing. I can do this, you know, with yeah. our bodies are built to move, to be active. I mean, a little bit of activity and especially to, to intense activity is good. So pretty much you get to that point where you want to exercise, you want to move. And when, when that happens and when the client would say, oh, I'm ready for this or when can I start training, I'm feeling good. That would be the telltale sign that, yep, they're ready. And then the protocols I'd use would actually start with like some sprint training, like just real short, sharp sprints, just two or three. That's it. Mm-hmm. You go all out for, you know, on a roller or a bike, and then you have a few minutes to rest. You do that three or four times. That's it. You know, and then you just build off on that. And then a couple weeks later, then we'd bring in the um, weight training. And then, you know, by that stage, that two months in, and uh, doing. All these activities, but of course, the diets change, the lifestyles change, the market. You know, there's there's a lot it's of change, but a, better, um, a, a much really better well. foundation
0: that you start building.
1: Exactly, yeah. of. and they fix their garden. And if those tests did report on like some serious issues, you know, maybe iron overload, they could donate some blood, or you know, you could work on those other things as well. So it's why, um, yeah, it was it was it's quite a complex process, but it's just all I'm trying to do is the fundamentals, the simple stuff. It's just that so many of us are so far away from, from those fundamentals. We're not we're not eating like a natural sort of diet. We're not living natural sort of lives. I mean, like Blue Light, for instance. I mean, that's something I was big on many, many years ago and people used to just ridicule me. It was like, really? You want me to wear these like fancy glasses? And really, Alex? And I seriously, I got laughed at so many times. And then all of a sudden, Apple came out with that night shift mode and then it's in the news and it's like, oh... Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, well, you think about it. What you're trying to do is like mimic nature, but you're not going to switch all the electricity off when the sun goes down. Like we're not yeah. going to do that. Um, we're still going to use our devices and our, open our fridge up and all that. But we can we can have our cake and eat it too. Like we can have those devices and minimize the exposure. And that's that's what a lot of I think biohacking is all about. It's like trying to, you know, people have these grounding sheets. I mean, think about that. You're just going outside bare feet, but you're doing it, you know, at your computer desk type thing, right? So yeah. it's that's a big part. I think of biohacking, just trying to replicate nature, but living a modern life lifestyle,
0: using using all the latest tech, just to get us back to the basics where we just came. <laughs> <laughs> one, one big one big circle, uh, yeah. but that's really what it comes down to. Is is um, what would the words be here? I think it's coming down to how do we self optimize in the world that we live in, and how do we have access to the most exciting technology and being able to create things on the internet, whether you're a blogger or building software or whatever your contribution is to humanity, but then also being able to have all of this amazing stuff and then keep our health at an optimal level. So we can't live the idyllic ancestral lifestyle anymore. So we, we use the tools we have, and we're just trying to hack our way back to where we were before and still also be able to contribute and support our families and do all the things we need to do and and not end up with a chronic disease and have a really high quality of life until we're 90 or 100. Mm -hmm. So that's what it all comes down to for me. So in closing, Alex, I'd love your thoughts on living close to nature and what are the things that you do to uh, nourish the spirit and things that you do that are not related to all the amazing work you do on your blog.
1: Yeah. So I live in New Zealand on a, I got 50 acres here. Um, I'm looking out my window right now and it's, you know, it's, it's big hills and native bush and grass and we've got, um we grow most of our own food. I've been in this property for 18 months and we haven't purchased any meat. We grow in chickens. We killed two sheep or two lambs two days ago. Um, you know, I raised 25 meat chooks and we harvested them. Uh, we do a bit of hunting like goats and deer. My neighbor raises pigs, so I get pigs off it, like pork off him. Haven't, you know, haven't purchased any meat and, and all the things we do, it's all, you know, we don't use sprays, we don't use fertilizers, it's regenerative farming and all that. So it's all, it's not certified organic, but it's organic principles. And we've got a massive garden here. So we, you know, raise, grow most of our veggies, not all of them. And we've got a big orchard. So, yeah, I mean, if water, like we collect the rainwater, there are some springs as well. I'm um, got to sort that sort out how to tap into that. But it's pretty cool. Like, I, I feel like I've gone from living in Sydney in an apartment, you know, living this crazy lifestyle, but learning about health. And it was a, there was this transition period where financially I could afford to go and buy organic food. I could afford all these biohacks to, to replicate nature despite being a, in a city, right? I could afford all the fancy supplements and, and all of that um but then I took that a step further I was like you know what let's I want to embrace this I want to I want to do it properly plus I wanted to settle down and have a family and I wanted my boy to, or my children I didn't know if it's going to be a boy or a girl but I've got one boy now like I wanted my children to grow up with nature for, for health reasons but also just for lifestyle and for education and and you know understanding the world you know you that work yeah. ethic to go out and tend to the animals and, you know like my boy, he's nine months old now, and he comes out with me every morning on a little backpack, and he's patting the animals, and yeah. you know he picks up the chook and stuff, and holds the chook. He's not the best with it, but you know, like he, that's how he's going to grow up, right? And he sees us in the garden, and and he was he was on my wife's on my wife's back when we were killing the sheep, like literally yeah. killing the sheep, and he's right yeah. there. You know, he's just going to grow up, and and she's explaining what's happening and all that. Like that's why I wanted to live here, and and um, again the health component is huge like just having control over the food I think for me is is one of the most powerful things I I just like having control of the situation you you know exactly what's been put into the
0: animals you know exactly 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 what's been used and that provides I guess a lot of comfort knowing exactly where it came from you watched it you raised it or your neighbor raised it so that's about as as pure as it's going to get yeah, so you, you've got the biohacking background, and now you've yep. been able to take it to a nature setting, incorporate that stuff. I mean, I remember living up in the mountains when I was living in Lake Tahoe at seventy five hundred feet, no light pollution, yeah, no Wi-Fi signals except the one in my house, which I could shut off, yeah. And uh, I was probably the happiest and the healthiest that I've ever been. Yeah, and that's it's- not accessible for everybody, and that's why, right. like. The products I put out, the information yeah. you put out, which is like, okay, so I can't go do that lifestyle, but but how do I how do I get the best quality oh, of yeah. life I can with with, totally. with the yeah. situation and the environment that I'm in?
1: Yeah, and it's it's not for everyone as well. I mean, this lifestyle is it's pretty full on. Like it's you know growing your own food and stuff. It's a lot of work and it's difficult. You know, an animal gets sick and. The vets tell you to inject it with this antibiotic. You're like, oh, I don't want to use it. You know, it's it's challenging, but for sure, it's definitely. Um, I, I mean, I love it, and in fact, I'm now. Resentment's probably the wrong word. The computer stuff I'm doing with the blog, like, is becoming a chore, and it's kind of bad in a way because it was always a passion. I got into this not to grow a brand or a website. I didn't even know I could do all this stuff many years ago. It was just something I enjoyed doing, and of course, now turn into a big business and I've got staff and, you know, millions of visitors and whatnot. Um, but now sometimes I'm like, Oh, like today it's a beautiful day and there's a guy doing the fencing out there. And I'm like, Oh, I'd love to be outside. You know, it's summer here in New Zealand at the moment. I'd love to be outside just doing some physical work with him. And, and no, I'm enjoying this conversation. I mean, after this conversation, I'd love to go out with him, but instead I've got, got to do, have got to do emails and work on, you know, sales funnels and, and sign some contracts and all that. And, you know, it's I, I don't know. I've noticed since I've been here and that little entrepreneurial um, mind of mine, like I see these opportunities. I'm like, oh, we could we could do organic chickens here. We've got the perfect property for that. Or, you know, I could do retreats and like have people come in and stay here. And, you know, and I'm like, oh, I'm getting well, a little bit sick of writing and researching and blogging all the those, time. Those, so. those are
0: good signals to, to pay attention to.
1: Doesn't I doesn't know, know to act on them. But uh, exactly, sounds yeah. like there's some some new passions brewing. that's exactly it but but I mean the great thing is to answer your question yeah a lot has changed since we've been here and you know my wife has changed a lot as a result and we know it's you know from a health point of view it's amazing where we're living but we know it's going to be so much better for for our children growing up in this world and you know I just had a week in Sydney right in the heart of Sydney where I used to live and um it was, to be honest, I was like, "How did I ever live here? This place is crazy, right?" Like, yeah. it was such a shock. But the great thing is, we can always easily go to cities and and have that city lifestyle for, for a weekend or a Get week. A taste of it, yep. And, and yeah, and, and then we come back knowing that we've got our own food, and you know, there's no cell phone signal here, and and all that. And and I like that. I, I'd rather be in that situation than living in the crazy city, and then having a week to switch off at a farm and. And I don't know, I mean, a lot has changed, you know, like on bare feet most of the time you, you know, like you adapt to the seasons and to the light cycles. It starts getting the darkest, everything sort of, you know, you clean up, you you see the animals going to bed, like you see the trucks going to their house and, you know, whereas in the city, everything's just go, go, go all the time. So a lot has changed. Um, I feel better for it. And yeah, like you said, I've noticed my passion and interest has started shifting as a result of being here as well, which I think is healthy and I think that's good. Yeah. So um stay tuned for some some changes on that front. <laughs> well, uh, if
0: you're having the retreats then uh, I I definitely would love a good excuse to uh, <laughs> to come out that way. So uh, that's that's all amazing Alex and and for those who are listening Alex publishes all of his work at alexbergus.com. It's an incredible resource for anyone looking to self-optimize. Thanks for taking time. Alex, to share your wisdom and experience. And thank you for all of the uh, educational stuff you're putting out there. It's all top shelf work. So um, thanks for everything that you do. And and thanks for uh, sharing your insights here on the show.
1: No, I appreciate it. And um, likewise with you guys. I mean, thanks for building something that I wish was around many years ago. It's going to help a lot of people. And and in turn, it's going to empower them and and they're going to live healthier. And lifestyles as a result so thanks for uh, slaving away at the computer and, and working on this labor of love as well and <laughs> and i already
0: see that my interest at some point in my life will change this is this is my life's work at, at this moment in time and it's something that feeds me in all aspects of my life but i already know i'll be honest with you i've started dreaming about what's next too and it's not that it's going to happen tomorrow but I think about what the next chapter holds and I see where my interests are starting to grow. So I'm excited for whatever unfolds um, before or after uh, I'm done with heads up, but, but similar to you, new passions brewing. We're going to keep building this thing and and trying to help as many people as we can. I'm hoping you and I get to do more collaboration between your work and my work. So we'll see what the what the future holds there. But uh, yeah, man, thanks for your time. No worries, Thank you. It was my pleasure. All right, brother. Thank you for listening to Data Driven Health Radio.